Are you, Are there, you there, God? It's us. Sid King. And Becca Stevenson. People love to talk about how good girls go bad, but they don't always go bad. Sometimes we go sad and we like to think they also go wherever they want. So we're here to unpack our religious drama together. And yes, we said drama because we believe that the best parts of religion are performative. Just a reminder that as always, we are not here to bash, we're just here to bond. And we are just going to have a great conversation, talk to our guests about what makes you good and what makes you sad, and hopefully kind of unpack together and, and become good girls gone glad. Yes, that's our goal um, for our guests every week as they leave the world a little more glad than they entered it. Yes. Love it. We were saying good girls gone happy for a long time. And then Sid's sister was like, you made me a good girl gone glad. And we were like, yep, you're right. That's better. (laughs) Thank you for improving our slogan. (laughs) Awesome. Well, uh, Sid, would you like to introduce our guest? Oh, yeah. I would absolutely love to introduce our guest for today. Um, She's a med student, a plant and dog mom, and basically your stereotypical millennial. Her words, not ours. She's far from stereotypical in our eyes. She's very, very cool. And we're so excited to talk to Maddie Dutson. Welcome, Maddie. Hello, all. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming. Yes, thank you. We have been trying to make this happen for like weeks now, um, but I honestly don't think this could have happened at a better time, um, considering what's going on in the world right now. Um, I'm really glad that we get to have a chance to chat. Yes, definitely. Thank you um, for listening to the random person who came up to you at the end of the show, because I was like, yes, it's a Friday night. I'm feeling brave. We're going to go introduce ourselves to these random people. And I'm, yeah, so glad to have this conversation and it's great to meet y'all we're so glad you did and also listeners reminder that we do have a live show we actually started as a live show and we have another show a club coming on july 20th so we will be releasing lineup and ticket information soon but yes that was we're so glad that you came up and introduced yourself we always want people to come talk to us we're like thrilled to know there's other people who have similar experiences as us so yes, we love but it. honestly at your own risk we might ask you to come on the podcast so <laughs> true it's not just normal bonding it's like Being we're going to record it yeah <laughs> but we will we will give you a sticker if nothing else we'll give you multiple stickers we will so. we do we got good stickers famously we got <laughs> yes awesome okay well we can just go ahead and dive right in maddie we would love to hear your good girl origin story and just have you tell us a little bit about what made you a good girl okay so yes i grew up in uh, none other than the beautiful salt lake city utah and so yes you guessed it i am mormon um or as the official name of the church is uh, church of jesus christ of latter-day saints lds is usually the kind of accepted or preferred term. Um, but I think it's more of like a PR branding thing that they're trying to like rebrand um, and move away from the Mormon term. So as you will. Um, but yeah, I think pretty much as soon as like those words come out of my mouth, like I'm from Utah, then my one goal in the conversation is just to be like, I'm maybe not normal, but at least like, no, I'm weird in my own way. Okay. It's not just because I'm LDS. And so I identify with that so strongly. It's like, no, I like theme parks. That's what's weird. The Catholic is just like, whatever. That's just a fun fact. (laughs) Did you go to Um, BYU? I did not. Um, yeah. So BYU is like, so, okay. I'm on, on the spectrum of Mormonism. I'm definitely on the 
more liberal side of it. And so BYU is a place that is um, conservative enough that when I would go there and visit with my friends, it's a little bit like walking onto like a like Christian Disneyland, if like such a place existed. Like, Interesting. Um, so it's not a place that I ever felt very comfy. However, I do know a lot of people um, that really appreciated the opportunity to go to school there because um, actually in the US, there's um, about as many LDS people as there are Jewish people. We just live in different parts of the country. And so I think for LDS people who grow up um, in parts of the country, like not Utah um, and kind of the Mountain West area, and they're really isolated growing up and had to deal with all these stereotypes um, on their own. It's, I think, you know, I've had friends who've really loved being able to go to that school and be like, ah, oh, yes, I'm not the only LDS person. So, but yeah. Interesting. Yeah, but that um, is where I'm from. And so I think um, like pretty much just loved the um, weird uh, little insular culture that religion always creates. Um, basically, like I think that it was pretty much destined to kind of come up with a little bit of weird culture because I feel like it's kind of like a Petri dish. I think God kind of has this experiment that he likes to do where he's like, okay, I'm going to take this group of people and we're going to like send them into the desert. Like Israelites, he's like, yeah, we're going to like wander around for, you know, 40 years, whatever. And so that also happened um, in the origins of the LDS church, you know, got this like little trek from the East Coast over to eventually Utah. Um, and yeah, and thus, thus the... Uh, uh Saudi city was born so <laughs> which so the mormons founded utah yeah or they, they like founded settled it like yeah okay yeah 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 they had a, it was like very ambitious originally it was going to be called deseret and the original map they drew was literally like all the way to the coast it would have included like california like nevada arizona and like half of california like Ambitious, ambitious. We love. Oh, it's very bold. Yes. <laughs> very, very girl boss of Joseph Smith. Yeah, pretty much. There's. He actually, sadly, never made it out to Utah because he was martyred um, before they like really began the immigration west. But yes, then we have our next lovely controversial um, historical figure of Brigham Young, who did who did make it make it there. So, yeah, but. Um, terms of like growing up a good girl, like there's, especially in Salt Lake, there's like this huge religious divide. Um, and it was like, people would try and make it very obvious, like which side they were on, like if you were LDS or not LDS. Um, and so it was um, like, there's a lot of I don't know, just kind of like the outward kind of like appearance of like, looking Mormon and like acting Mormon. There's um, very, very stereotypical like dress styles. My my personal favorite was uh, um, you're not supposed to wear like tank tops. And so definitely like the white cap sleeve shirt under like a nice spaghetti strap dress was like all the rage, mm -hmm. which was horrible looking. Yes. <laughs> um, and I being the uh, authority, people pleasing child that I was, first child, you know how it is. Um, 
was very, very interested in following all the rules um, and got the, uh, got the nickname of Maddie Mormon, which was a playoff of Molly Mormon, which is basically like your, uh, there's like Molly Mormon and Peter Priesthood. And those are like the stereotypical names for like the perfect little like cookie cutter LDS girl and boy, mm-hmm. what they were supposed to be like. People pleasing comes up a lot. We have talked about that quite a bit. Like, I feel like that's the main identifier of a good girl is like wanting everyone to be happy all the time and not not break any rules. I mean, can you blame us? Like, you know, you grow up in religion, you're like, oh, yes, if you please God, you won't burn in hell. It's like, yes, I will people please to my death. Like, yeah, well, I think I think like the comp the connection between people pleasing and rule following like it's very much one and the same it's not like I think sometimes people think that people pleasing is like I'll do whatever makes you happy but it's like that's why you find so much comfort in rule following it's like rules should make people happy like these are the these are the things that make people happy so I do it all at once if that makes sense that was a little convoluted of a statement but I think they're so intertwined and you don't always realize that yeah no you're definitely sounding like my therapist she's like yes it sounds like you know you're really trying to make sense of what what people want to see I'm like yes rules rules are great (laughs) so yeah it's a real thing (laughs) yeah I think like I I don't know I was just thinking with everything that's been going on in the world it's like I feel like rules seemed so simple when you were young and it was just like don't lie don't cheat like don't do these things and then all of a sudden as an adult it's like oh people making rules are also just regular people and they're not necessarily like rules I should follow. And then that's when the identity crisis happens of like, I've always followed all the rules. What do you mean? I don't like the rules anymore. No, definitely. The whole uh, like expansive gray area is like a very uncomfortable place trying to kind of transition from that like childhood, uh, I don't know, sort of like rule following and faith and then I don't know, growing up, you know, I've been on the East Coast now for like a decade or so. Um, and so definitely moving out of the Utah bubble and seeing all these things, I was like, you really have to kind of challenge your own opinions a little bit. And yes, there's a lot more gray area than there is black and white. <laughs> did you move straight here from Utah? Um, I actually moved to Baltimore, which is where I did okay. my undergrad. Okay. Uh, yeah. And but then... Straight into a big city on the East Coast, like thrown thrown into it. Yes, yes, which I loved. I was, um, uh, I yeah, I really loved it out here. It was super refreshing to have a couple people not really know what being Mormon meant. I was like, yes, I get to define my own identity. So that was great. The Book of Mormon musical is a little bit ruined that for me in the city, but that's okay. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like that's my main source of knowledge, which I know is probably yes. not that accurate or certainly representative of everyone. <laughs> in true, in true like Mormon fashion, this whole idea of like killing people with kindness and not actually standing up for yourself is such a thing. Like the way that the, uh, the church as a whole responded to the musical is kind of hilarious to me because instead of actually kind of standing up and like speaking out and be like, you know, this is a really fair representation. And like, these things are damaging to these different groups. They were like, okay, let's capitalize on it. And let's make some like kitschy PR thing. And so they had all these posters and 
like built an ad in Times Square that was like, you saw the musical, now read the book. Everybody read the Book of Mormon. And I was like, that's smart. I remember those. Yeah, <laughs> that is really good marketing. <laughs> it's super good marketing. But again, it's kind of just like, oh, like this is marketing, but it's also, you know, like you have members of the church who live in this city and who are actually, you know, like have to deal with like the implications of those kind of stereotypes and that like having Broadway be where people get their religious knowledge. So mm-hmm. I think the pros and cons to responding that way. But um, yes, yeah, that's fair. Definitely more classy than I probably would have responded. But mm-hmm. <laughs> So when you say that you're like on the more liberal sca- side of the spectrum, what does that look like? Slash like what were you taught that maybe like other people weren't taught or vice versa? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. Like, so... Um, both of my parents, um, first of all, are are politically liberal, which is super rare, um, in Utah. Um, my mother has always worked with, um, like nonprofits. Um, and so has done like a lot of kind of like social justice sort of things. And so already kind of came in with this liberal mindset, especially liberal in terms of like, you know, like social and economic issues. Um, and my dad worked in sustainable development and land use planning. And so also have that sort of like the hippie, like rural, yes, let's protect our earth kind of vibe. Um, and, and then I think um, I used to ask my mom, like, where did you find dad? Like, he's so liberal. All the men in the church are like so conservative and I hate it. She's like, I didn't find him like this. Like, it took a few years and I was like, okay, (laughs) but eventually, um, yeah. So that is kind of like where we were steered. So I think that that really helped me growing up because, um, it gave me a little bit of a pattern for being able to exist in the church and not having to look like everybody else who is in the church. Um, so it kind of looked like, um, we lived in a different part of the city than a lot of, um, than like many LDS people did, as in there's a church like every five blocks instead of every two blocks, you know? So, um, and um, I think though that it was, it was really isolating. It was one of the reasons that I really wanted to leave the city um, when I finished high school, because as I said, there was such like a huge religious divide. Um, and on Sundays, you know, we very much wanted to be um, accepted um, in kind of that LDS group, but then you have to go to school all during the weekdays. And, um yeah I I was totally it was it was really alienating in high school trying to kind of walk this line especially in in high school obviously which is already so clicky we love that um and so um it was yeah it was kind of interesting being like oh no I I support like LGBTQ plus rights which means you know this group of people kind of like excludes you but then also you have a bunch of people who you know everybody knows who's LDS and you know like that group also wasn't necessarily very inclusive um but I I don't know I can't I can't really blame the non-LDS people a lot of the time I had uh, people tell me that like quote like you're the nicest Mormon I've ever met which I do not say to like puff myself up I'm like that is sad because I am not that nice like this is as nice as we get like this is we're doing something very wrong like Jesus would be sad um, and so 
I think that, again, like there's just a lot of judgment. And I think that Utah and being around LDS people is really uncomfortable for a lot of the population there because of all this judgment and self-righteousness. And so can't really blame them for excluding me. And by senior year, I figured out that if I like dropped a swear word in and people would be like, oh, she's like a cool Mormon. And I would talk to her. <laughs> that was fine. There. What was your swear word of choice? Like what, what, where, where would you slip it in? Oh, probably just normal. Oh, this is another Utah culture thing is all of the different swear words that we have. Like the vocabulary is extensive for all the alternative, um, everything from like she's shikes, like all, I mean, shikes. Just literally anything, literally <laughs> anything. I swear. I, swear. I love it. <laughs> um, but yeah, when the first swear word I ever said, I don't know if we're even allowed to swear on this podcast. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I think Sid made us explicit. <laughs> it's explicit also because it's like girls talking about masturbating in the way that we're like, we didn't That's know right. we could do it, but we say the word masturbation. So I'm like, I'm just going to make this explicit for that sake. But it's That's very dope. much not. It's like explicit if you're 11, maybe. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For an adult. <laughs> it's good I because we like, can learn about it sooner than we did. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, well, so cuts all you like, want. We're edgy. Exactly. Yes, so it's so like, as, as a rule follower, it's just like, I just don't want us to get in trouble or like taken down. So I'll just I make know, it right? explicit. Yeah. Just <laughs> no. So this was me. There was one day that I decided, I remember I was in the basement of my parents' house and I was like, you know what? I'm going to start swearing. So I just went for the big kahuna. I was just like by myself in this room, like, fuck. And then I was like, I did it. Now I did that one thing. Like I can say anything that I want. And so that was like maybe like 13 or 14 year old Maddie, like not really that young. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm taking control of my life now. <laughs> Look at me go. I don't think That's I knew awesome. the F word in middle school, if I'm being honest. Like, and I went to public school. I don't know how that particular thing evaded me, but like, I, I remember Precious. being like, I know a lot of curse words. I read them on the bathroom stalls, but like, I don't think I even knew that word was a thing until I was in high school. Oh, we had, um, I remember in middle school, there was like three boys in my class. It was 24 girls and three boys at this little Catholic school. And he kept trying to trick all the girls into saying fuck. He's like, it's truck with an F. And I was like, for truck? <laughs> I was like, fuck. And he was like, no, replace the T with the F. And I was like, fuck. And he was like, no, it's, it's, and like, we kept not saying it. But I don't think I actually said the word fuck until like college. Well, as we all know, I used to get profanity slaps. I used to slap my friends when they said fuck. <laughs> and I would get, God doesn't want it. you to. And they're like, stop slapping me. They're like, God doesn't want you to slap me. <laughs> God doesn't want, like, I think violence is not the answer. Oh my um, gosh. Yeah, I no. think I, I might have said shit in high school, like, once, but... <laughs> yeah. It was usually, I I usually my go-to, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think I knew I was, like, losing my grasp on religion a little bit, so I was like, I'll, I'll just at least won't curse. No meat on Fridays and no cursing. I got I gotta hold something. I gotta <laughs> stick it. No, there's, um, it's so funny, um, a lot of the, uh, kind of, like, LDS Sunday meetings, since it's, since it's a relatively new church, a lot of things are kind of practical, and so we would definitely, like, have lessons. It's like, okay, we want to use clean language, because that is uplifting to yourself and others, and then you do, like, little role plays of, like, how you would talk to your friends if they swore around you, and, like, how you would address these sorts of social situations, and I was like, (laughs) 
This is great. I was like, I will probably never do this. But no, actually, I think I did. I'm sure I did. Definitely in middle school. In high school, I think I'd like kind of fallen off that bandwagon. But now I remember that I definitely cried during flag football at one point because somebody said fuck and I told them not to. And then they like got mad at me. And so I went to the teacher and I was like, he swore. And I told him not to. Now I'm crying. And she was LDS. So she was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, you poor thing. Like, I'll go talk to him. You did the right thing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Oh, my gosh. Well, I feel like teacher your side. Yes. It's not that so, so traumatized. Oh. Please. Teachers always took my side. I was the teacher's pet. No. Yeah. Yeah. Teachers I took feel my that. side so hard that once I completely forgot I had an assignment, I uh, went, I showed up to, so I think this was like eighth grade. I showed up to class, realized that we were supposed to do this entire paper. I had not done it. I like went up to the teacher after class, completely lied, said somebody had my family had like died, which was like, technically true we had like, like some like, great aunt twice removed or something who passed away over the weekend mm-hmm. and then I felt so bad of course about lying after that I went and told her I was like it just, somebody did die but like it had absolutely no effect on me writing this paper I just forgot and the teacher was like you know what you just showed me integrity you take as <laughs> wow. much time as you need to write that paper and I was like thank you that's amazing that was like Biggest win for teacher's pet ever. <laughs> yeah, you, you put you put you put in the work before that. Like that's a long yeah. game <laughs> to get oh, yeah. out of the paper because you lied and then said that you felt bad for lying. That's yeah. that yeah. is some extreme good girl behavior. And to yeah. that we say peers. Congratulations. I actually had my chemistry teacher, um, because I like always try to make really good grades. And my chemistry teacher called me like after class one time and was like, So you got an 88 on this test. And I just want to make sure everything's okay at home. <laughs> I was like, he was like, you have like a 95 average. This is a little low for you. I just want to make sure everything's going well. And I was like, yeah, um, I just, it's nutcracker season. And I'm really busy with dance. And I just was like, I actually am very stressed. And he was like, okay, well, I'll just, I'll give you a pass. Like you can do some extra credit and build it back up. <laughs> like, like dead. Love this. <laughs> but then for the next test, I was like, I have to get 100. I have to show him yeah. that I'm, I deserve his sympathy. <laughs> Obviously. There's... And we're back to the people pleasing. No surprise. Seriously. Yeah. Okay. I know. So that, I know we talked about the first time I swore. Now we're talking about lying. I'm so curious. Do you have like a memory of the first time you lied? It isn't blazing in my mind. The first time that I lied. Is this just yes. Um, the first time, um, so it wasn't lying, but I did cheat accidentally. There was a (laughs) accidentally everybody makes no, it was an accident. Okay. Well, yeah. So it was like, my eyes wandered because of my extreme ADHD and also like what am I supposed to do focus? And there was, cause my, but my eyes were wandering because there was a question that I didn't know the answer to. And I was like really trying hard to think about it. And I saw it on the paper next to me and I was like, do I write it down? Because I know that that's the right answer. Once I saw it, I was like, oh yeah, that's it. I knew it. Or do I like get it wrong on purpose? It was also I definitely like, got things wrong on purpose because I would like accidentally glance over and I'd be like, it's probably fine if I miss this one. It's okay. Or like, I won't do the bonus question because I shouldn't do it because it wasn't my idea. <laughs> okay. Funny enough, it was a three question test and it was just the branches of the government. Like, <laughs> you were just like, ooh. I well, it was like, like, it was also like geography. So like you had to match the branch of the government with the building it was in. 
Oh. Oh, that's hard. I can't do that. No. Well, I mean, we had just learned it like two days before, so I probably should have been able to do it. And I, I actually don't remember the outcome, but I remember, I'll never forget like seeing it. I remember whose paper it was on. I remember, I like, I, I know everything about it, but I don't remember. I think I might've said something later to the teacher who like was my mom's best friend and like already had had my sister in class. So I think I got a pass there, but I think I like also did some insane mental gymnastics that was like, well, God gave me the answer. So I have to write it down. (laughs) That's so funny. I love it. I I remember the first time I lied, but I definitely remember, I don't know, Sid's story just made me remember, like I opened, it was like before my birthday and I was probably like 10 and I opened the drawer to like we have like a junk drawer and I opened the junk drawer to find something and I saw the Cheetah Girls CD and I knew that my sister had gotten it for me for my birthday and I had a absolute mental breakdown like I was like oh no I found it and she wanted it to be a surprise and she was so happy but like I literally freaked out and my mom was like what is wrong with you (laughs) like it is not a big deal she was like just pretend you didn't see it and I was like I can't do that (laughs) it was just how how do people pretend they don't see things I don't know and like now I'm a little bit better about it but but at the time I was like, how could I possibly go this whole week without like pretending I didn't see it? And it, I like, it made me feel nauseous. I was like, I, I had this like hot feeling. I still remember it. And I'm like, well, Cheetah Girls CD. I would like to it. quickly point out Becca at one point in time wanted to be in the CIA. So you want to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, so a fun fact about me is I'm actually like a pretty good liar if it doesn't matter. So like, I think if it was, like, the government or something, I could totally lie. Like, if I don't know you, I will lie to your face. I one time lied to somebody in college. The government doesn't matter. I'm good at lying. If it doesn't matter, I could work for the government because it doesn't matter. Yeah, I I stand by that. I stand by that. Or if I... And you need to know what or where the government are. Or if I was, like, this is for a good cause, I think I could also lie. But if it's, like, a personal thing of, like, trying to lie to my sister, I don't think I could. But... Okay. Yeah, one time in college, I had I skipped a class and I saw the TA walking from the class and I walked right by him. And the next day, in our like, what do they call that thing? Discussion section. Yeah, it, it was called something else, but I don't remember. Um, but I went to that and he was like, "Did I see you walking on the quad yesterday, like in the direction away from our class?" And I was like, "No, I don't think that was me." And he was like, oh, okay. And I was like, yeah, I kind of have one of those faces, which I do. But I was like, I just kind of like, and then my brain was like, why did you do that? And I'm like, now I can never come back from that. I have to pretend that that was true. It's so weird. I still think about that. I feel bad. The the people pleasing thing like is so real because you built up like this whole image where you are like untouchable. And then when you lie and somebody believes you, you're like, I did this, like, I am, like, false. Yeah, and you're like, I can never, I can never come back from that. Like, I just, that lie is my truth now. I have to believe it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. My my thing is, I was always knee-jerk say yes to things, like, probably again to people. Please, like, oh, do you know this band? I'm like, oh, yeah, totally. And I'm like, I don't don't know them at all, but, like, I just committed so like yeah, that song that they sing go buy merch like yes yeah. i totally relate to that this is my new identity now yep i'm actually, yeah, I'm actually their manager i'm their road manager it's yeah great. you didn't know but it's fine <laughs> pretty much pretty much that's so funny wait so to kind of go a little oh wait what is your lying story we didn't even talk about that oh oh um 
I love food. My lion story is definitely about me eating peanut butter. <laughs> my mm-hmm. mom like had a jar of peanut butter out and she like went to go get the doorbell and she's like, don't eat any peanut butter before I get back. Okay. I was like, okay, mom. And then it like dawned on me while she's gone. I was like, she's like not here. She doesn't have totally, to know. <laughs> totally this peanut butter. And so I like did in like my moment of boldness and then pretty much like immediately started crying. And when she came back, she was like, what's wrong? I'm like, I, I ate the peanut butter. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Oh I laughed. It's like, like that <laughs> test that people were doing on the internet. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Stormy, mommy's coming back. <laughs> like, that's so funny. Yeah. The, like the delayed gratification tests, like with the marshmallows. Have you heard about this? There's, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. That, that is the story. So twice a year, we actually have, um, like a worldwide conference. So the leadership of the church comes and they, um, like give talks on whatever random topic. And one of them actually used like the marshmallow example is like, Hey, we're in life right now. There are some things that are marshmallows that look tasty but you have to have self-restraint and like resist and then you'll get two marshmallows in the afterlife. And I was just like, okay, but marshmallows, I look really good. <laughs> so I don't know. Honestly, a good analogy. <laughs> it is a good analogy. But also, yes, also wrong. Too good. You know, like you know, <laughs> I have to be able to justify my, uh, my loopholes, you know? Yeah, we have a list of um, analogies for like purity culture, like the don't buy the cow if you can get the milk for free kind of thing um, in like ways that people described virginity to us. And I'm like, maybe we just need like a religious analogies in general, like how we were taught (laughs) random facts. Well, I think we can probably move to our next question. We've really origin storied it up. <laughs> um, we would love to know what made you sad. Yes, I feel like probably touched on this a little bit in the origin story, but mm-hmm. kind of being in this uh, like isolated middle, trying to figure out the gray area of things um, and where to fit is um, been really has been really difficult. Um, I think the first way that I kind of started seeing it was maybe when I started dating, um, which is actually a very good girl thing to do in the LDS church. You are supposed to date a ton. Like this is, we, we would have lessons on this at church to like, yes, here's how to date and like go have lots of little fun, casual dates and then date one person and then marry them. And so um, I remember like I struggled to find people to date like again kind of being like this weird like Mm -hmm. social middle ground um and then when I did start dating I was like these men are kind of not great sometimes so I as you mentioned I'm in medical school I literally had a man tell me on my second date like I got into the car with him and like with some very like random introduction He's like, yeah, I, I don't think that you should become a doctor. It's like, excuse me? <laughs> and his whole reasoning was, like, I have a brother-in-law who's a doctor, and he really, really doesn't have very much time for his family. So I don't think that that's a great, I don't think that that's a great choice for you. And I was like, okay. But then the worst part of it is I, I remember kind of like disagreeing, but I kept dating this person because 
Mm. I don't know. I was like, I don't know. Maybe he is right. Maybe this is a sin to want to help other people in the medical field. Like, I don't know. Um, and so I, I think, I know it's so sad. And so, and, um, I got, I got that. Um, it's one thing, right. To get things from like straight white cis men. Mm -hmm. It's another thing when you hear it from other women. And that is what has really, I think hurt me the most. So, um, I think, Probably one of the things um, that people are most familiar with in the LDS church is having missionaries. So like the Mormon missionary thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I was a missionary. Uh, women right now serve for like a year and a half. So for a year and a half, I uh, went to Russia. It was great. I lived it up. Um, and by lived it up, I mean had like three hours of scripture study every day and wore long skirts and didn't date anybody for a year and a half. And it was actually lovely though. It was honestly like some of the best times in my life on this mission though, it was with a lot of other people who very much fell more to the conservative end of the spectrum. And you're always paired with at least one other missionary. And so I'm paired with these other women who are my same age. And there were so many of them who were also telling me that like, maybe I should rethink some of my life plans. Maybe I should kind of consider really what I wanted to do in terms of where I wanted to live so that I could find a good husband what I wanted to do for a job so that I'd have time to take care of kids. Um, and that, I don't know, that kind of hits in like a whole different way when it's um, people who you identify with way more than just like the random kind of like washed up graphic design student. Yeah. Not so a like specific reference at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the well, main like argument was just that it would be hard to be a mom if you were a doctor. Basically. Interesting. Basically. And kind of this idea that in pursuing this like degree and education and that career, I could be missing opportunities to, like build a family basically so because right. yeah. you're like weren't didn't have enough time to date or like whatever exactly yes like i wasn't in provo at byu the men mm -hmm. are scarce out here on the east coast you know and so yeah like i had people um like all the cute little older ladies um who were in my church when they found out I was going to school on the East Coast. They're like, but don't you want to get married? And I was like, yeah, like eventually, but <laughs> this is not going to prohibit me from doing that. I'm like, I'm 18, so I think I'm okay for now. Yeah, it, it was pretty shocking, some of the things that people said um, and just the things that people prioritize. And I think that, um, I think kind of like modern feminism has really missed the boat maybe on applauding women who do want to fulfill some of these like more stereotypical roles. Mm -hmm. I think the more that we say everybody has to be like a traditional man, the more we're actually like increasing gender divides. And like, that's, I think part of feminism should be promoting these attributes of like nurturing and love for family and like softness and kindness. Like I think we should be promoting that for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and right, like not with, like those are yeah. bad attributes for somebody to have, but like also making it so everybody can have them. Like, yeah, 
because like I'm never going to be able to go be a doctor if I don't have a husband who's also willing to do those, you know, like to do things that will sustain um, our family. And so I do think um, it's important um, to support women who have made those decisions. However, I think, you know, in the end, we need to support women, whatever decision they make. And it really did not feel like there was very much of a gray area for me. And um, it's difficult to like hear those opinions or to read talks from leadership of the church when they're saying the most important thing you can ever do in life is to have children and like raise them in the church. And um, although do I do believe you know, like, I'm like, thank you, parents for having me. Like, yes, I'm glad you did that. Um, mm-hmm. It's, I, you know, I don't believe that that's where all of like my worth and all the good I can do is derived from. Um, and so super, super grateful to have parents who agreed with that. Um, they said my mom worked all the time while I was growing up. Um, and so I knew that that wasn't true and that it is possible, you know, to, to be a working mom. And, but yeah, I think again, just those, all those gray areas and some of these stereotypes of um, like what being a good Mormon looked like have made me so sad. Um, and I'm sure you two can relate as well, but one of the things that I think is hardest for me, I know when we talked about introducing myself and saying like, I'm from Salt Lake, I'm LDS. Yes, I'm trying to get people to recognize I'm normal, but I'm also trying to get people to recognize that I am kind and not bigoted and not Mm -hmm. like anti-gay, that I am like kind and and accepting of people. And it's really painful to know that um, something that is like close to my heart, my faith is painful for other people and has like it's an institution that has actively caused pain to different racial groups, to different identities. Um, And so grappling with that is hard. And I, you know, like it's a part of me for sure. Um, And it sucks to feel like I have to like hide that or be careful about how I share it purely Mm -hmm. because I don't want other people not only to not judge me, but really to not feel unsafe around me or feel like I'm going to judge them. Yeah, totally. we've talked about, Seth and I have talked about, like, in New York especially, there's so much of a, like, if you're religious, bad. <laughs> like, there's just an automatic, like, especially with, I think, like, I don't know, I was raised Methodist, but, like, coming up and being like, oh, yeah, I believe in God and, like, want to go to church, people are kind of like, that's weird, and you must be super conservative, and your parents must be Republican like you know it just is different and I think I am like you and Sid too actually like where our parents are on the liberal side and so that makes it a lot easier to be like oh yeah Yeah. you can like believe in God and also not agree with every single thing your church says and like have a faith that isn't necessarily so connected to the church um but it is like very difficult for people here to understand that because I just feel like there's a lot of like you know, they're kind of like, you are crazy or you're not religious and there's not a ton of in between. Yeah. And there's just not a lot of dialogue. You know, I mean, we've kind of decided as a culture, like, well, what's the stereotypical thing? Like, oh, Thanksgiving, don't talk about politics, don't talk about religion. So mm-hmm. it's like, these are the things we probably should be talking about. Like, these, these are very important things. And I think not having those conversations 
it kind of does us a disservice and it creates some of these huge cultural divides like we have right now. Very timely, um, kind of a very timely discussion. Yeah, that's what I was going to say, like knowing that like even my specific actions have hurt people in the past, like when I associated with like my time in the church, like that, like that really, really hurt yesterday. Um, Like I had prayed outside of abortion clinics. I have like created pamphlets. Like I remember we had, so we called it a turnaround when somebody would not enter a clinic. Um, and like, I remember if we didn't have a turnaround that day, it's like, I didn't pray hard enough. Like God didn't love me enough or like, I, I, it was just like, then it was on me and like my relationship with God. Also that's in tandem with like the fact I was taught basically nothing besides abstinence only education. So like, it was like, don't have sex and you won't have to worry about it. But also we're going to put you in places where you get to just like, you get to shame women for their choices. um, of medical things that we didn't even understand. So could, do you mind like speaking a little bit about like being in medical school and like also being religious and everything that's going on? Yeah, a hundred percent. Um, so I just finished up my surgical rotations. And so I had my obstetrics and gynecology and then surgery blocks for the last three months. And so I was on my rotation in, um, a gynecology outpatient clinic when, Um, the kind of decision on Roe v. Wade was first leaked. And I mean, it was really shocking. So a lot of these, um, a lot of the doctors, they actually, they wear necklaces that say 1973, like these gynecologists and obstetricians, because that's the year that Roe v. Wade was, um, was decided. And they wear that because it's a huge part of their practice and an important an important step for women. And um, so coming into it, I've, I'd already, I'd done a little bit of thinking um, about it previously and had basically arrived at the same conclusion that I'd arrived about a lot of things. Um, you know, I don't drink alcohol or coffee, fun fact, but I don't care if other people do. You know, it's a, that's a decision I'm making for me. I don't feel like I can tell other people that, you know, they shouldn't drink coffee, whatever. And so this is kind of like the maybe simplistic way that I had seen abortion as well is like, well, that's not something that I'm going to do. However, I'm not living these other women's and other people's lives um, who are pregnant and are not ready or don't want a pregnancy. I can't, I can't judge them. So that's kind of like the simplistic kind of perspective I, I came into it with. And then um, after being a part of a few care conversations and a few um, procedures to help women um, along the process of terminating a pregnancy, I really came to appreciate that it is a lot more nuanced um, and that it is much more important and not something I can passively say, well, if other people wanna do it, I won't really get in the way but something that I need to actively try and advocate for um, because it is healthcare. And I can tell you from um, like the women, um, the couples that we've spoken to in clinic, nobody, nobody wants an abortion in terms of like, it's nobody's plan A. No one is celebrating having this procedure done. It's scary. It's hard. It's emotional. Um, and it is often necessary 
not even just for personal reasons, but mm. medically. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking of kind of countless patient experiences and it's kind of wild to me to have to sit there as a healthcare provider, tell a woman that she is pregnant, that she has no options but to carry this baby to term when the same patient I'm seeing is telling me that they missed their last appointment because they could not pay the 275 to take the subway to the clinic. So these sort of equalities and gaps in what we're what we're focusing on and what we're saying is pro-life versus what we're actually doing in practice. I mean, there is there is such a huge disconnect to me. And it is um it's incredibly disheartening to see um these decisions being made for women without context and without knowledge, without without medical knowledge like these these are people making medical decisions who not only are not the actual women or individuals who are pregnant themselves but people have absolutely no medical background saying that a procedure that is medically necessary often like is illegal i i don't know I, it feels back to the dark ages and i yeah it's a, it's a lot to sit with it's been a lot to sit with the last couple of days yeah we've talked a lot about like us and probably a lot of people who listen to this podcast come from places where it is going to be hard to get an abortion or impossible. And like, I'm from North Carolina. They're still, the governor is saying that like, as long as he's in charge, he's going to keep it so that women can make their own medical decisions, which is great. But I think like, it feels weird to be in a place that is where that's not really a fear and be like, I'm in New York. I'm safe. Like everyone just moved to a liberal state, but it's also like, I think it makes it more real to be like, we're from a place, like I would like to go back to North Carolina someday, I think. Like I want it to be a place that's like supportive of women and of anyone who is pregnant. And I just, I think that that's something that is just sits strangely to be like my friends who are living in North Carolina are potentially going to be impacted by this very directly. And you know, my brother lives in Wisconsin and like just have a lot of connections to those states. And so it just makes it like, it's just a very odd thing to be like, we're kind of fine here, but like places where we're from have a really challenging future. A hundred percent. Back in Utah, you know, I was talking to my younger sibling yesterday after this decision came out. It's already illegal there already. And yeah, that's wild and that's scary for me looking at looking at them and knowing that that they wouldn't have that option for healthcare is is very is very scary yeah and it's also i was thinking about this yesterday like it's really hard to be from a place that this is like a huge celebration when like you feel so scared like that's really can be really really alienating and like i just think about like when I was in Indiana, there like Mike Pence was governor, and I forget the exact name of the bill, but it was like, yeah, you don't have to bake a cake for a gay couple or whatever. And like I, you know, like that is so terrifying. And now I'm like, how did I just not care? How does like, well, I'm not gay; it doesn't affect me. Um, and like looking back, it's just it's yeah, yeah, it's really hard and it's difficult to sit with. But thank you so much for sharing um, your perspective. That's incredible. 
as a medical student, I feel like mostly I'm just like a toddler, like in a China shop. <laughs> Everybody's pretty much like, don't touch anything. But um, <laughs> it's it's a really yeah. There's a lot of really amazing people who are very thankfully doing work to continue to try and protect um, everyone's health, women's health, um, men's health. Everybody. I mean, this is not going to affect people of of different socioeconomic classes equally. It's going to do a lot to continue to promote inequities. And I'm very, very grateful for the people who are really on the front lines and who are prepping for this already um, and are prepared to support all these individuals who need this access. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Should we lighten the mood a little bit? Would you like to submit something to the girl glossary? <laughs> yes, always. Um, okay. So in the LDS church, um, we are not baptized as babies. We're, um, baptized at the years like eight or older. The idea being that at that point it's quote, like the age of accountability as in you can, maybe that, that should also be a term maybe that goes in there. This, the idea is that before that age, you're innocent and you can't really understand the difference between right and wrong. Mm -hmm. Therefore, you can't really be held responsible for any like bad actions that you might take. So I, I remember like prepping for my eighth birthday and prepping to get baptized mean like I have to get like all of my sins out now. Like I was going to say, are you just like running oh, yeah. around cussing and lying? And <laughs> no, I was like, no, 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 no. Because as a good girl, I was like, I have to practice being perfect now. This is not the time to like get all these bad habits. Uh, I'm like, See, that's probably it's wise, like, honestly. You can't be binging on sin. <laughs> yeah. And I, I had like some deep contemplation on the playground. If I was like mean to someone, I was like, man, right now it's okay. But in two weeks, like Jesus is going to be crying over hell. this. Like horrible. <laughs> but, um, that's so funny. But uh, so when, when we're baptized, you... Like, like other Christian cultures, take upon yourself the name of Christ. And then the second part of baptism is confirmation, where you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. The idea being that if you are living um, and like following the principles of the gospel, you will be able to have the influence of the Holy Spirit with you to help guide you, direct you, comfort you. And there's always um, the phrase, since we were talking a little bit about um, dating earlier, the phrase was always that, the Holy Ghost goes to bed at midnight. <laughs> Being that, like, if you like, you should not be out past midnight. And if you had a date that was past midnight, that was bad. Like, the Holy Ghost goes to bed at midnight, and uh, oh my God, that's amazing. Probably get home because nothing good happens after the Holy Ghost goes to bed. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, that's incredible. So your your submission is the Holy Ghost goes to bed at midnight. Indeed, that's <laughs> so good. I've never heard that, and I'm obsessed with I, it. Yeah, yeah, we have we have like saving room for Jesus. But Holy Spirit goes to bed at midnight. See, now I'm like, Holy Spirit goes to bed at midnight. So 12.01, time to smooch. Okay, so that's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, is that when the <laughs> the bad stuff happens? Like, what? But that's oh so gosh. funny. Yeah. Well, I guess it's like nothing good. What do they say? Like, nothing good happens yeah, after. Like, like, nothing good happens after the Holy Ghost goes to bed. Like, isn't the Holy Ghost isn't up? You shouldn't be up because you're going to be out there on your own and you're probably going to mess up. So <laughs> also like... Is, I don't think ghosts sleep. <laughs> yeah. Not a little to just poke little, a hole in that. Um, I thought he was a little omnipresent, om omniscient. Uh, I thought, uh, you know. 
<laughs> well, then I guess that means that your um, your dreams are safe, right? <laughs> right. Yes. Um, yeah. If you're having oh like gosh. nightmares, it's okay. Um, definitely. Well, I guess that, yeah. I don't know. As as a fellow good girl, definitely. When you wake up and you're like, oh, just had a dirty dream. <laughs> yes. I need to repent. <laughs> I lo- also I love the idea of like a ghost imposed curfew. Yeah. <laughs> it's very Harry Potter. Incredible. Yeah. Yes. Incredible. Okay. So um, well, I I for one second that Becca. Oh, absolutely! I second the okay. nomination. Absolutely, Let's throw it in. We put in a little sound effect that goes ba ba ba. So you've been officially submitted to the Go Go Glossary, and your name will go next to it. Congratulations. I'm honored. Maybe we'll send you a plaque someday. Yes, thanks. (laughs) All right. And so for your next show. Yes. July 20th. Yes. Yeah. yeah. What are you up to on July 20th? You want to come? (laughs) Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay, Becca, should we move on to our final segment? Yes. Okay. So I'm going to preface by saying, so I was a dancer growing up and- Oh, wow. Yay. Okay. Perfect. Um, so girl yeah, 101. Hello. Literally. Dance and an instrument. Yes. Oh, literally. <laughs> ballet and violin. Love it. Exactly me. So oh good. Gosh. So good. Well, so I, wait, did you go, did you go to conventions growing up? I need to know what brand of dancer you were. No, this was, um, th- this was like dance was my little rebellion. Like I had, I had, I did ballet for seven years and then in high school, I got into modern dance. Ooh. It was very controversial. Oh, interesting. Very Martha Graham. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh Flat yeah. Backs. We did yeah. modern oh, yeah. too. Yes. <laughs> oh, actually this will be interesting to y'all. I don't know what made me think of this recently, but when I, so I did like all types of dance, but I was only good at ballet. So I just lead with that one. Um, but when I was in high school, the, my modern teacher told somebody that she could tell which students had had sex and which ones hadn't because you have a like better knowledge of your body when you've had sex which like I was horrified because I was like I was like I'm gonna be a virgin forever and how dare you notice (laughs) like how dare you say I'm bad at dancing because of that it's just like now I think about that I'm like what an inappropriate thing to say to like 17 year old (laughs) but anyway um not not the point of 17 year old girls, you own your body no matter who else has been inside it. Yes. A hundred percent. You can be a good dancer whether or not you've had sex. <laughs> Amen. And you can that... also be a bad dancer and have yes. sex. Yes. Justice yeah. for, for bad dancers. Justice for bad dancers. Wait, I, I think that that quote actually was like, I think Martha Graham said something along those lines of like, you have to understand your body or something. Anyway, um, we can talk about toxic dance culture another day. <laughs> but so I was talking to someone recently and um, I was at a show and he was like, oh, I'm from Utah. And I was like, oh, cool. And he said he was from BYU or went to BYU. And I was like, oh, wow. And I was like, their dance team, man, they're awesome. And he was like, oh, haha, like just did not know what I was talking about. And I was like, I'm sorry, you don't know about the people who dance team? And so then I was like, yeah, I feel like I know of a lot of people who like grew up LDS because there's a lot of really famous dancers who are Mormon and like famously Utah turns out the best dancers in the country. And he looked at me like I was like crazy. He was like, <laughs> I have 
no idea what you're talking about. And I'm like, okay, go to any convention, look at the winners, and then see where they're from. Let me tell you, it's Salt Lake City. <laughs> it's just like, I was blown away by it. I was like, how do you not know about this? You watch one episode of So You Think You Can Dance or Dancing with the Stars. Every single person on there is Mormon. And so I've been kind of developed this obsession with like, every time I see an amazing dancer, I have to know where they're from. And they're always from Utah. And they always have a lot of siblings and that's kind of my, my giveaway. But I have now noticed now that I'm paying attention that there are a lot of people who are famous and like very talented who grew up in Utah or are LDS otherwise um, part of the church. And so we wanted to kind of test your knowledge of Mormon celebrities and we'll, we'll give you a list of people, all like very wholesome people and very known for being nice for the most part. And we want you to guess if they are Mormon or just a blonde person that we added to this list. <laughs> I love it. This is good because this is one of my uh, prime uh, conversation topics for trying to prove I'm normal. I'm like, no, no, this famous person also, also, so... Let's see. Let's Love see it. Yeah, I was surprised by some of them. Some of them I knew. There's like a couple softballs in here, but um, mm-hmm. most of them were surprising to me. So, so it's a game we're calling. What's the name of the game? Mormon or Dorman? <laughs> okay, except for that's a little bit misleading because some of the people are dormant Mormons. Yeah, so. But we always try to have a clever name for our games and it, this isn't our best work, but the game is fun. <laughs> yeah, they do not always make sense. I will say that. Bum, ba, da, ba. We're going to get started here. Um, I'm going to go first because I'm already talking. Okay. Great. So softball, Julianne Huff. Since you, okay, since you said softball, I'm guessing Mormon? Oh. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the Huffs are, um, I don't think that this she... Is- I know she doesn't identify with the church anymore. I don't know about Derek. I kind of think that Derek is a practicing Mormon, but they have like nine siblings. And also their dad is like a prominent Republican in uh, Utah. This is so bad. Now, now I'm just realizing that I know like zero celebrity names. So this is going to be I'm like, oh, the husband's She's kind of niche. They're they're niche. They're niche. But they are like, they're famous dancers. Like, so you think you can dance. And she also just like continues to appear places. Like she's everywhere. She's one of the celebrities. That, like, Thank you. She really, okay, she really is the Mormon James Corden. <laughs> Just kind of keeps appearing places. Oh, I was like, I'm not getting. <laughs> I was like, I'm waiting for it. Really, <laughs> the reaction yeah. from that, I thought it was really funny. Um, and so the blank stares did not. <laughs> well, she also is like, um, so she is originally famous for being a dancer. She's on Dancing with the Stars, and then she's also been an actress in some movies, and she has a some songs out so she's a real triple threat she's a true a true triple threat yeah because she was in Greece live she was in rock of ages the movie where she sang danced and acted yeah Yeah. she also hasn't eaten sugar in like 15 years according to this article my mom sent me recently it doesn't get better than that wow yes but has she been in an LDS church film because that is like the pinnacle oh that's a good question I wonder if she started that we'll have to look up that might have been her origin story I don't know I could. We'll find out. (laughs) Interesting. Okay. Um, Number two is Lucas Hedges. No. Yeah, no, he's not. Okay. (laughs) Just blonde is what we have. I kind of just like was thinking of people who I was like, is this person Mormon? And then those were the people that are the (laughs) no. Yeah. 
Exactly. Um, okay, John Heder of Napoleon Dynamite fame. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Did you know that, or is it just because he's very random? Oh no, no, because of Napoleon Dynamite, a hundred percent. Okay. That whole movie. Yes, we could have a whole discussion <laughs> on it. LDS culture in Napoleon Dynamite. Oh really? Okay, we might have to. We'll have to revisit that. Oh well, yeah. No more. My mom's totally from Idaho. Like this is yes, this is deep. Oh, it does take place in Idaho. Yes. It does. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know that. Okay. They used to have like those little tour things you can go around. You could, you know, like when you go to famous movie cities or whatever, and you can mm-hmm. see the little spots. They had one for Napoleon Dynamite in Preston. We did. Interesting. Oh yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to Idaho and Utah for the first time in a couple of weeks, so I might get back to you for some suggestions. Yes, I will give you Rex. That's literally okay. all I do. Is like. Utah, we have more than Mormons. Come to yeah. national parks. <laughs> no, I'm really excited. Oh, yeah. That's, I think it'll be fun. That's um, the only time I've been. We, um, my friends and I flew into Vegas, um, got a little drunk, and then uh, hiked all five, all of the Mighty Five, which was fun. Sober. <laughs> we did that sober. We love it. We love it. <laughs> but we didn't get any soda, and I was mad. Like, I wanted to go to the soda shops, but we oh. were soda where we were fun. down there. It was just, like, very much not... Um, yeah. There was just like not commerce of like any kind, really. Ice, ice cream and soda are the beer and coffee of Utah. Yeah, that is, those are sacred. <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, I love it. Okay. Okay. So number four, January Jones. No. Yeah, she's not from, but she is from South Dakota, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> interesting place to be from. All right, Sid. Uh. Okay. Jewel. Yes. 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 Okay. That surprises me, but I could see it. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. Number six is Chelsea Handler. Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't. Okay. Okay. I think her parents are. Wait, so the story, I'm pretty sure this is the Chelsea Handler story, is that um, one of her parents is Jewish and one of her parents is Mormon. And the kids each got to pick, and she asked her sister, like, what should I be? And she was like, Jew. Jew sounds fun. And so Chelsea chose, like, a, a Jewish life, but um, was has a Mormon parent. But, like, yeah. each of their siblings <laughs> just goes. That, I've heard of people doing that. I mean, if you can have a bat mitzvah, why not? Yeah. <laughs> a big party? That sounds good. Yeah. Number seven, Dove Cameron. No. No, she's not. There's a lot of Disney <laughs> Disney um, connections to the LDS. Church, oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Utah yeah. heavily subsidizes the film industry, please. High School Musical. Yeah. Oh, my was in Mexico. Mexico. School. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's right it down in Utah. Interesting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I wonder why they didn't just put it in Utah instead of making it New Mexico. Because, you know, it's Utah. So, <laughs> I guess. But you know, that's the beauty of Utah. It can be anywhere in the Southwest. <laughs> oh yeah, no, there's many. I'm I'm, I'm gonna make a new uh, a new game show for you, which is was this movie filmed in Utah or not? So <laughs> honestly, wait, that's if you come back, that's what we're doing. Look forward um, to. It. <laughs> okay, number eight, Chad Michael Murray. Yes, he's not. No, but you would okay. think he would be, right? He yeah, he can be. Like he has like a little bit of like like the wholesome smile mm-hmm. thing going. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He kind of has the general vibe. He really does. 
Um, okay, Ryan Seacrest. No. No, he's not. Okay. <laughs> but he also, to me, has the vibe. Good. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Very wholesome, like, middle of America kind of like. <laughs> yeah, and just, like, like nice. Like Yeah, just a nice guy. Is yeah. he Canadian, though? I don't know. That's a good question. Are I they Canadian from, like, or are they Mormon? That needs Mormon. to be one. <laughs> Literally. Wait, actually, that's a good segue into our next one. <laughs> into our next one. Um, is it me or you? It's you. It's me? Okay. Ryan Gosling. Mormon. Oh, Mormon from Canada. He's our golden <laughs> child. I'm like, you don't have no idea how much I mourned as a kid. Like, man, could have ended up with, with Ryan Gosling, but now he doesn't go to church anymore. It was like, we, we lost a good one, folks. <laughs> That's <laughs> such a shame. Well, the Mickey Mouse Club must have um, turned him away from the church. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew the Mickey Mouse thing was he was like, and that's it. Talking rodents can't trust him. Seriously. (laughs) He also lived with Justin Timberlake's mom for a while because his parents lived in Canada. And so they, I think... Did they take over his guardianship, like child labor? I think so. I think so, but I'm not positive. And I I don't know. I don't know why I know that. I looked it up for something. It was recently in a documentary because I remember hearing that. Yeah, I also might have said it in the show, but I can't remember why I said that. <laughs> but I definitely know that it's a thing. Okay, um, but then we just have one more, which is also in our Mickey Mouse Club vein. It's Christina Aguilera. Yes. Yeah? Yes. I didn't know that. I was surprised by that one. <laughs> yes. Her parents met at BYU. Oh, we love that. Mm-hmm. Wholesome origin story that she shares with 80% of the church. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so our final thing that we do is we like to say um, pass the offertory plate. So if there's anything, this is like the segment where we plug stuff. Feel free to say whatever you want here. You can uh, email your representatives from your states because we know that you have conservative people on your social media. So post it there because you are not in the echo chamber that most um, of liberal America is. If, you, if that is how you politically identify. Um, and then maybe I will revive. I have um, a very clever dog account, which is a social justice cause. Follow my dog Watson at public health underscore pup on Instagram. He is perfect. Amazing. Yes. That, was, that was great. Thank you. Perfect. All right, Becca. All right, you can follow me, Becca Stevenson, at the Becca Stevenson on Instagram or the real underscore Becca on TikTok and Twitter. Um, you can follow me, Sid King, at Sid period the period King on Instagram and Sid period the period King on TikTok as well. And you can follow Good Girls Gone Sad at Good Girls Gone Sad on TikTok and Instagram. And you can always email us if there's anything you would like to say or shoot us a DM and email us at goodgirlsgonesad at gmail.com. And as we have mentioned multiple times in this episode, we have a live show coming up at Club Coming on July 20th at 8 p.m. The ticket link is not quite live, but hopefully by the time this comes out, it will be. Um, And the tickets are going to be 15 in advance and 20 at the door because we sold out last time and we need to do a little crowd control sorry we're so popular (laughs) sorry we're so popular um and i think that's it so thank you so much for tuning in we'll see you next time thank you for coming maddie Very special thank you to DJ Skip to My Luke for our fabulous intro and outro music. You can find him on Instagram at skip to my Luke underscore. Bye.